0: Hello and welcome to the GDI Podcast, the show presented by the online dating industry's leading trade publication. My name is Sean Nolan, senior reporter at Global Dating Insights. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Jennifer Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Lex. She tells me about her key priorities in her new role as CEO and her perspective on raising investment as a queer-led and female-led dating business. Jennifer also tells me about the key trends she sees within online dating and social discovery. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks very much for joining me on the GDI podcast. So I want to start things off by congratulating you on your new role as CEO. So could you tell us a bit about the history of Lex and how you found the first couple of months in your new appointment?
1: Great, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So the story of Lex really starts back in 2019 um, with Cal, who is my co-founder, and both of us had very similar um motivations to want to build Lex, we both came out in our early 30s. And at that point, we're really seeking to understand kind of LGBTQ community, and really looking to find ways to connect with other queer people. And that's around the time that we met. And Lex was actually originally inspired by a magazine called On Her Backs, which was Lesbian women love women-focused erotica magazine published in the states in the 70s and 80s, and on the back of this magazine, um, they had personal ads where women would write into each other who they were and what they were looking for. And we kind of fell in love with this concept, and there was something really, really powerful about the role of language and people explicitly saying what they were seeking. And you know, this was yeah 2019 in the time, or kind of an earlier at the time of you know Tinder swiping. Um, really focused on visual so we thought what if there was a platform that we built that was much more that was still encouraging dating and social connection but was much more focused on language um, that's actually why we called Lex Lex it stands for lexicon um, so we took this idea and we actually built the MVP of Lex on Instagram we asked people to submit their own personal ads via a Google sheet and then we art directed them designed them posted them on Instagram, and then people started to connect in the comments. And it really took off. We got covered by New York Times. Um, it really it really grew. And at that point, we thought, okay, there's something here. So we crowdfunded on Kickstarter, we raised 50k, and we built the MVP app. And yeah, released it into the App Store, um, when both of us at that time were still in full-time jobs. And it really, it really took off as soon as it went into the app store, it really grew. And you know, from there we went to kind of raise our initial round of VC funding. And yeah, that was kind of back in 2020. So yeah, we're now kind of three years in and yeah, it's a really exciting time for Lex. Just to explain Lex um, as it exists today. So Lex is a social app for queer community. It's a text-based feed where people write who they are and what they're looking for. We find that, and really it's a mix of dating and community. We find that around 30% of posts are for dates and hookups. And then 70% of posts are for like friends, community events, housing, jobs, and more. Um, And it's really, it's really, and what we find our users really love, the fact that dating and community and social discovery all exist in the same platform. We find that's really um, resonating with our queer audience and especially our Gen Z users.
0: And your first few months, how's it been?
1: Yeah, so the first few months have been really exciting. It's a really, I feel like we've got a lot of momentum within Lex at the moment. We've got some amazing new hires, we've got the new funding, a great team of investors on board. And we've been doing some really exciting things in product, which really talk to our LGBTQ community. One of my favorite things that we've done in the last couple of months since I was CEO is the users can navigate the feed through tags. So tags will be like groups, events, T4T, BIPOC we've actually recently started, we've released two custom tags that really celebrate moments of the year. So we did a custom tag for National Coming Out Day in October, and we did a chosen family tag kind of around the holiday season um, here in the States. And really why I've been so excited about those is they are a really unique way of speaking to LGBT community and allowing people to come together around one core theme. And it's been a really beautiful thing. So you know, seeing people sharing then coming out stories together and responding to each other or with chosen family, people talking about the queer community that they found on Lex and how grateful they were for it. So those two that's been some of my favorite moments I think is like seeing the product use in a way that is so unique to Lex and so unique to queer community and really giving people a space to share and connect and come together uh, so that's definitely been my favorite moment.
0: Perfect thank you so much yeah and I think it's such an interesting um dynamic with Lex because you know with other apps in the industry they're kind of very visual focused you kind of mentioned and like video and Um, memes and things like that but it's really nice to kind of go from the history of these personal ads to now the sort of text focus that you have and I think that's such a sort of unique dynamic and um, yeah just a really really exciting strategy you've gone with so uh, great thank you so much and I guess sort of looking ahead to 2024 and um, you know what's to come do you have any sort of key priorities um, for the year ahead?
1: Yeah, I just want to go back to your comment about text. Um, I think it's interesting to discuss. Uh, so text has always been really important to us that it's the origin of the name. And there was a, you know, we currently now allow people to have profile photos um, in their profiles, but for a long time we had no profile photos. And that was a real decision that we wanted people to connect authentically on who they were and their words versus um, images. We now have profile photos and they've been really well received, but it is And, you know, we think about, is there a role where Lex could ever have video or photo? Maybe that would exist. But I think for us, it would always have to be in a way that was really focused on authenticity and connection and rawness. Um, We talk about like raw edge as a really important brand principle for Lex. Um, So, you know, if we ever were going to produce more imagery, it would be or it would be about making sure that you know we would never have filters, for example. Um, so really, keeping things very authentic is a really core principle of how how we found success in the community. So looking ahead to twenty twenty four, we have a couple of key priorities, and um, I think kind of like firstly, I'll start with product. So as I explained, Lex is a f- is a feed. So one of our core priorities is really around helping people navigate that feed better. So currently. Lex is a feed which is geographical based. So I'm currently in New York and Brooklyn. So I see posts chronologically that are in my area. Um, we think that's a really important part of our kind of social discovery that people, we want to generate, connect offline and online connection. So doing that in local areas is really important for us. I can open up my feed and come to London and come to, new, you know, view other cities and see what's happening there. But we find that when people are connecting people in their local area, we see much higher like loyalty retention. Um, it really works better. Uh, so we've got a lot on the product roadmap about helping people f- navigate that feed better. You know, if I want if I want a date and I want to hook up, how do I get to that content quicker versus if I just want to meet a friend or find a group, how do I find that content quicker? And I think a lot here around uh, out, you know a lot of social apps and algorithms, and how often these algorithms are very black box. You know, if you're swiping on another app, you maybe don't really know why you're getting served particular people, or if you're scrolling on a social platform, you don't always know why you're getting content served to the top. Um, we can maybe guess it's based on our actions, but it you know these algorithms are very black box. We don't understand why we're getting served content. And so what a a lot of the development we're thinking about, Alex, is how can you be in control of your algorithm? How can you know if you want to be? You know, if you want to be served what we want to serve to you, you can receive that. But is there a way that you can go in and you can see why you're getting served particular content? Or you can say, I do want this content or I don't want this content. So we're thinking a lot about how can we use um Uh, AI and machine learning to help generate a new version where it's really choice and consent based. And that's a principle that's so important to our queer community. So that's in the works right now. It'll be a while before it's in the product, but it's something we're really excited about. And some of the other pieces that we are key priority for 2024 is really thinking about groups and communities. We launched groups and communities a year ago now in November 2022 so we've been, had about a year and we found it's been really successful for Lex around 40% of our users are in a group it's one of our most retentive actions if you join a group on day one it's your most like it's the most retentive action you can take on Lex um so people are really finding and they're using those groups for social discovery friends but they're also using it for dating you know people who are in a local area who are all single are coming together or you know all looking for similar relationship styles might come together in a group so I think that's a really interesting trend that we're seeing that dating and community are so intertwined. And then a third piece that is really important to us and our LGBTQ audience is about uh, privacy and control and safety and moderation. So often on traditional social and dating platforms, queer bodies, um, especially queer people of colour can be or like trans bodies can be um, disproportionately moderated against because of like, bias in people or bias in the in the AI so that's something that we think about a lot Lex as well as how can we train new models that are um, more inclusive to our community and how can we keep our community safe and have moderation but do so in a way that allows like freedom of expression of like for LGBTQ identities.
0: Thank you so much yeah so, so many interesting things you mentioned there and I think Um, you know for me the the geography section uh, uh, that you mentioned about how you kind of filter the feed that's so interesting because that really shows the sort of difference and the challenge I suppose in having a dating and a social discovery element to the platform because for friend finding it doesn't really matter where your friend is necessarily they could be across the country and it doesn't matter too much but for dating there is more of that local element which is required so um, the way that users are able to navigate that kind of empowers them to um, search for whatever they're looking for at that time so that's a really interesting way of of going about that sort of dynamic and I think obviously the trying to find more inclusive content moderation as well is so important especially with um, Lex which is trying to be um, really inclusive and trying to make sure everyone uh, feels welcome there so mm-hmm.
1: that connection between dating and community has been it's, you know, it's, a, it's very much a strategic decision now and how we're building our product. But it really, I would say that decision on the early days was very much about responding to our users. So, you know, we launched, you know, Lex really took off in 2020. Obviously, 2020 was COVID. So dating didn't look like dating used to look. So suddenly people, and because our, our the way that Lex works is a feed and you can post whatever you like in the feed. You know, people had free reign to post and express themselves in the way that they wanted. And naturally people were, you know, they were doing like zoom brunches and people were natural. They had a kombucha scooby that they wanted to leave on their doorstep for someone to pick up. So it didn't go get not used. Um, So really naturally that connection, that move away from just dating and romance into more community focused, was really driven by our users and by, you know, by the, by our audience and some of that may have happened already, but COVID really uh, accelerated that focus. And I think coming out of COVID, people had perhaps had, you know, were really seeking connection and, you know, we've seen the stats around loneliness post COVID. So again, that community focus really just was kind of responding to our users. And we did a lot of research and data and um, analysis of our audience and really found that that was, that was a thing that Lex could do that, other apps couldn't do um you know if you just wanted to date there are plenty of other apps out there that catered lgbtq people um you know whether you toggle on or toggle off or you use a specific lgbtq app um, whereas this community dating social discovery mix was really unique to lex and that was um, the decision for us to lean in
0: yeah definitely and it sounds like it was kind of a natural evolution for lex to to sort of embrace that side of things that blend of um all these different uh preferences and options for users yeah perfect thank you and i think another really exciting aspect of lex recently has been um your really successful fundraising so um you successfully closed like a funding round of 5.6 million dollars which is amazing so i kind of wanted to find out from you about um you know what are some of this funding going towards and what sort of new opportunities is it unlocking for you
1: yeah so one of our biggest, so there's kind of all the product features that I spoke about earlier, but another thing that we're really focused on right now is scaling Lex geography wise across the US. So currently kind of around 75, 80% of our users in the US. So this is really where we're concentrated. Um, this is the market that we're scaling in first. Our top five cities are New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Portland, and Seattle, followed closely by the East Bay. So Oakland and San Francisco. And again, as we are a product that relies on um, geography and local community, oh, well, that's where the product is at its best. We have been really focused on those top cities to to develop, you know, the network effect and have people to have have people to have a really valuable, useful experience in those cities. Um, and we've worked a lot with local queer um, community organizers, so people who are already organizing queer events in their area, and we you know we pay them to work with us, and they host their own parties. Um, And really, this kind of bottom-up community community community-led marketing is really important to us. So, and that's worked really well, and has allowed people to feel like they can really shape and um, build this product for them, as well as um, you know, for other people. So, one of the exciting things about this funding is it allows us to scale beyond those five core cities. We know that there are people around the US and all around the world that really are seeking a more authentic way to connect with other LGBTQ people. And we know how valuable that is for people that have it. So I'm really excited about being able to, you know, put marketing dollars into other cities and put that in the hands of, you know, more on the ground ambassadors. And, you know, we do a lot of in-person events and, you know, physical, we we host a lot of events and things like that. And um, We find that getting on the ground in cities has been a really good growth strategy for Lex and a really great way of getting our like brand like known and loved within the queer community
0: perfect thank you yeah so exciting really glad to hear that um, expansion is on the horizon i'm sure the rollout will be really smooth and something you mentioned in the past as well was that you know it can be hard for female-led and queer-led startups to find investment from vcs so i kind of wanted to find out from you um, if you have any advice for entrepreneurs from these communities you know potentially some of our listeners might um, fit into that category um, you know, do you have any advice for them as they also look to raise investment?
1: Yeah, I would say know the numbers and the statistics and then ignore them. Um, for the for those of people that don't know the statistics, so less than 1% of VC money goes to LGBTQ founders, less than 2% goes to female founders. That's actually gone down from around 2.7 um, from the previous year. So this number is actually declining. Um, and then I think if you look at, you know, Money that goes to I think less than half a percent went to Black founders last year. So really, the numbers are aren't moving in the right direction, and that's a really, you know, it that's a tough thing to acknowledge. Um, but I think my personal strategy is yeah to to know that that's happening and be aware of the context, but you then have to pretend as if that isn't the way that it works. Um, I you know for me. I know that there is money out there. I know that what we are building at Lex is really, really important to our community and also really riding the demographic shifts um, that VCs are interested in. Um, So really, I think my advice is to kind of stay grounded in like what you are building and why you are the person to build it and why this is needed so much in the world. And then just be fully focused on that. Um, I think it can be really, otherwise I think it can be really disorientating, I think to get kind of stuck in all of the no's and um, could be really incapacitating. Another um, tip would be to find funds that have a history of investing in people that look like you, whether that's a female founder or a queer founder or a person of color. Um, my personal experience and from speaking to other founders that you know don't uh, always fit the typical founder narrative. Um, it's, a, it's a much easier journey that way if you're finding people that already have an openness to to a non-traditional founder. So we actually, a lot of Lex's investors are women, they're people of color, they're LGBTQ. Um, and that's because a lot of their funds, um, because they're their own personal identities, they know the power of investing money outside of like the traditional VC ecosystem and they know the returns that they're going to get. So they are more open and willing um, to hear your story. I really wish it was another way, and I wish I could tell you that I had another solution for how to make this happen. But I think the best the way that I think about it is if I can now go and prove that a queer-led business, a woman-led business, can can really you know build the new generation of social media, can really build the generation of social discovery and dating, and be uh, like an industry you know an industry leader in this space and changing the norms and protocols. And um, if we can do that, and you know in ten years' time then they'll just be a whole new, you know, the next generation of entrepreneurs will have a much easier job. So that's kind of, that's what keeps me really focused is, you know, paving a path for other people in the way that, you know, people ahead of me and my mentors have done for me.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think you mentioned some, some worrying statistics, but I think uh, you yourself are doing all you can to kind of reverse that and prove that um, queer led startups and um, female led startups are worth investing in. So, yeah. Thank you. I think that's really useful advice. And I think finally, my last question, I just want to sort of find out from you um, if you see any sort of important trends on the horizon when it comes to um, the queer community and online dating and social discovery that you think other um, industry leaders should be aware of.
1: Yeah, so there's a I think it's a really exciting time actually for dating and social discovery and social platforms in general. Um, I think there's a lot happening more traditional dating apps are are innovating and exploring new ways. You know, we see companies like Bumble have launched Bumble BFF and, you know, we see that more traditional apps, dating apps are moving in different ways. And then we also see that traditional social platforms like TikTok, Instagram are, are, you know, are moving are moving towards different business models. So moving towards, you know, subscription versus ad based. So I think there's a lot happening right now. And we're also seeing a lot of vertical social networks around core audience groups. So, you know, whether that's ones for food or for mothers like Peanut or Letterbox for films or Strava for running. So I think there's a lot of change happening in this space. And I think these additional verticals that were very vertical, so dating over here, social over here, you know, interest groups uh, over here. I think they're merging together in really interesting ways. Um, so I think that's like one interesting thing that I see. The second would be the rise of LGBTQ identities. Obviously, that's something that I think about every day. Um, 20% of Gen Z identifies LGBTQ and currently Gen Z are the largest demographic globally. They represent 40% of the global population. So this is a really, really important statistic for people to know um, how can we build products that are inclusive and accepting and welcoming of the um, queer community. The ones... the part of LGBTQ that's growing the most is actually bisexual people. So I think that, again, it's this idea of like fluidity in our sex, sex, gender identity um, desires is, is really kind of the biggest thing that's changing there. Why it's really important to know this statistic is that GLAD recently did a, uh, they do a social media safety report every year. They released, they recently re- released the latest one and they reported that 40% of LGBTQ youth don't feel safe on social media. Um, and so I think that's a really important statistic to know that like what we're currently building doesn't always work for LGBTQ identities. And if we need to cater to the future population, that's going to be really important. Another thing that I'm really seeing when I think about Gen Z is looking at the data there around um, loneliness. So 73% of Gen Z report feeling alone sometimes or always, according to Signa, And I think the most important thing to know here is that it's 10 percentage points higher than any other generation. So that's, that's really dramatic Um, 10 percentage points, not 10%. Um, So I think understanding that this generation is the most socially connected, but the most alone is a really important thing for like product leaders as we're building our products is how can we, how can we actually use our social connection products to actually generate social connection? Um, and I think a lot of the way that I think about doing that is the offline online connection. So we've seen a lot of these new dating apps that are really focused on, um, you know, we have apps like Thursday that, you know, there's only one day a week that you can use them that it's encouraging you to use them to connect and then connect in real life. So I think this Um, understanding this like loneliness epidemic and these statistics that are really, you know, worrying and how can we use this and how can we use our digital spaces to connect people to physical spaces um, is a really important trend, I think, for for us to all be thinking about. And then one one more trend that is relevant is really the rise of non-traditional dating styles. So uh, the rise of non-monogamy and more openness to like less, um less additional monogamous dating um we're really seeing that trend is growing a lot um in queer community that's always been more welcomed and more discussed and more accepted but we're seeing that more in kind of heterosexual communities too so i think when we think about uh dating and community how do we how do we allow space for people to match and connect with each other in ways that might be not just like one-on-one I think is also going to be a really important point
0: thank you so much yeah. I think I totally agree with all the points you've made there and I think definitely the sort of openness and the um, greater awareness of personal exploration I think that's such a big trend now especially with Gen Z as you mentioned so yeah I think having this um, these safe spaces and communities where people can feel welcome and can explore all these different aspects of themselves that maybe in the past um singles may not have wanted to explore just because of like social restrictions um i think that's going to open a lot of new doors for different kinds of platforms and um how they serve users in different ways thank you so much for your time today jennifer i really appreciate it
1: yeah thank you so much i enjoyed this
0: I'm afraid that's all we've got time for here on this episode of the GDI podcast. But I'd like to extend a massive thank you to my guests this week. Make sure you join us next time, where we'll be joined by another fantastic leader from the online dating industry, we will be having real discussions by real people about real issues. We'll see you then. But that's all for me, Sean, you've been listening to the GDI podcast.